Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bookings with Friends. This is your co-host, Parker Moon. I'm still alive, but I'm barely breathing. This is Brett Irvin. <laughs> Dang it, Brett. <laughs> Every time, it's so good. That's your co-host, Daniel Phillips. And we are a weekly book club podcast where we go over one book a month and talk about everything books and books related in between. Um, this week is a book week, um, so we are discussing the book of the month, which was Bullet Train. Uh, somebody help me with the author, because I'm blanking. Asaka Kataro. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Um, and we are so excited to talk about this book. Uh, we hope that you have read along with us, because, oh my gosh, is this a good book. Um, but before we do that, are we going to jump into short stories and catch up? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to check do we all kind of have the same short story is that i mean let's just let's just do the same one that's what i was gonna say unless you guys have another story i I do want to i do want to hear what y'all are reading i'll go through that really quick then okay um so i read also if you hear a dog in the background that's that's foster pup he's still here kind of used uh bookends with friends dog up for adoption but i've read small gods another discworld book i read that this week and Bullet Train, which was for the episode. Nice. Small Gods is fantastic. Oh my god, I love that book so much. Yeah, so you know how I promised to read three books this week? Yes. Did you finish any of them? I, I, I did. I read you two better. of three. Okay. So I, I finished Iron Gold, which was a longer book than I had anticipated. And then I was like, oh man, I gotta get to Bullet Train. So I crammed Bullet Train, but that was like... I was so obsessed with it. That wasn't even a problem. But Abundance of Catherines, which I am really loving, um, I still have not finished. So it sounds like I <laughs> it, I might not like it, but I, I promise you like I like you it so much. Yikes. No, I, I've got like I've got like Yikes. 35 pages left. It sounds like, like you hate read. this book Yikes. more than Brett hates Rhythm of War. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's turn, let's turn the, uh, the lens over to old BK Irvine. What you reading, pal? Um, Rhythm of War. <laughs> okay. Uh, I took a break for Bullet Train. Um, I'm really going to be on it. I want to finish Rhythm War in the next couple weeks because um, I'm inspired and I really need to just finish these books because they're so incredible. So yes, um, that's going to be my focus. And yeah. Um, Cool. So I think all of our short stories will be the same thing, which is to say um, we got to spend the weekend and hang out with a friend of ours who we met because they started listening to this podcast. Um, so this is a major shout out um, to Ashley and her husband, Ryan, um, who came and visited us. Um, and we we just became friends because they started listening and that started correspondence between our book club. Um, and now we are good friends with them in real life, um, which is to say, uh, this is just a lesson that our parents were wrong when they said, do not meet people over the internet because it was amazing. Yeah. It was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Ashley and Ryan. They're the best. Thank you guys for coming to visit us. It was so incredible. Suck it, mom and dad. We yeah, met, stra- suck we it, met mom strangers and dad. on the internet. This is Bookends with Friends telling you to go meet strangers on the internet. Hey, actually, I love you, mom and dad. I didn't mean that. I'm really sorry. I love you guys. And I'll, 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 I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> but no, it was a great weekend. Thank you for not murdering us uh, when you showed up. Yeah, we took a gamble on, on meeting strangers on the internet, and it turned out it was just, it was just the best. They're, they're the kindest. Um, also, obviously, I'll give a big shout-out to um, Ashley's platform, which you might uh, we've talked about before. You might know her from. So she's big in the book talk community, um, specifically for... Brandon Sanderson's books. She has an account called Stormlight Memes. Um, go check her out there. It's fantastic. Um, we've collaborated before and done like live streams and had her on the show as well. Um, so you might know her from that. And also go read Brandon Sanderson's books because they are amazing. Um, yeah. And because of that, we have made a lifelong friend. So uh, partial credit also to how great those books are. <laughs> Shout out to Brandon. Let's get into some bullet train. Yeah, let's get it because I feel like we have so much to talk There's about. A lot to go God, through it was this good. Book. Yeah. Uh, well, before we get to discussion, we got to go to quote of the week, uh, and I'm I'm really excited about this quote of the week because we have we got uh, two uh, really really great submissions. Well, I should say three quotes, um, but we had uh, Hannah P and Zach, um, our quote king, uh, Zach Dyson. Uh, they sent us in not only 
quote of the week, but fantastic thoughts on Bullet Train, uh, which we have fully incorporated into our discussion piece for this episode. Uh, but we decided that we didn't even need to bring any quotes from the Bookends Boys because Hannah and Zach have us covered with some fantastic quotes. Um, so, Dan, hit me with those quotes, and then we will decide yes. which one is our quote of the week that we, as a Bookends of Friends community, will all live by. Perfect. I'm just going to show my biasy here a little bit because Hannah sent us the quote, Well, there are some things that preschoolers know that adults don't. And that was my favorite quote because it kind of becomes this running joke throughout the series or like throughout the book where multiple different characters say this thing without actually communicating it to each other. Yes. It's just like all the characters say this quote throughout the book at some point. And it's just like such a weird little thing to say. Yeah. Hannah also sent in another quote. She sent us three quotes and they were all phenomenal. We chose two. Uh, Hannah sent us in. He doesn't need doesn't see any need for a complex plan. It's more important to be flexible, to keep calm when something happens, and to choose the next move, uh, which I think is great advice. This was the internal dialogue of a horrible character. So. <laughs> um, but that horrible character did have a good thought here, so keep that in mind. Is that, is that when he's talking about Nanao being like a Swiss Army knife? I think I think Kimura, or may, maybe this was Nanao. Well, Am I getting get confused? I thought this was the prince. Well, no, no, I meant like it's describing Nanao, I thought. Because in, in they, they continue to describe him as like he's kind of always Quick prepared. Uh, so, could, so, you I know, this wrong. this might have been, this might be an instance of where, because this book did have th- like thematic things where it kept going back and like repeating. Yeah. Um, and I was almost certain that this came from the time where uh, Kimura was mocking the prince for not having a very complex plan when it came to the briefcase. And this was the prince's dialogue about oh, that. But maybe you're right. you I could be, right. be wrong. Um, and if that is the case, oops. Uh, but now well, in let's... both situations, great. In both quote. situations, it applies. D- okay, Brett, what's the last quote? Um, this is from uh, our quote king, uh, Zach, and it's uh, in a critical section where the prince is being kind of contradicted or finally being like showed up by somebody of equal or higher intellect. This is right after that. Um, he's kind of bragging about being kind of like edgy and. One of the characters is uh, a pair, a grandmother and grandpa. Oh, Gam Gam comes in hot. And she says, uh, she's referencing people crying in movies. She says, people don't start getting weepy over nothing until they're older. I never cried at the movies when I was young. No one does. If someone wants to brag about not crying, they should do it when they're old. It's probably one of the best parts of the whole book is when they're yeah, all putting it's, down. It is a good, it is a good, yeah, good scene. They're putting down like the main villain to me, at least, of the whole <laughs> the, the character I hated the most. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll we're, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go ahead and choose. Um, are we feeling? Are, are you two feeling strongly about any quote in particular? All, all three are great. Thank you so much, Hannah and Zach. These are awesome quotes. I think I showed my hand, but I love the preschooler quote. I will. I'll second that one. Okay. So Brett, your vote is disqualified. Yeah. I would have said Zach's just because that's my favorite part. Like we just talked about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that is my. That's one of my favorite scenes. But I. I really like the idea of us um, going throughout this week. Um, all of our listeners going out this week thinking in the mindset of there are some things that preschoolers know that adults that adults yeah. do not. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun. It's something to think about, and it's true. Um, so <laughs> absolutely, we will go with that. Um, so before, before we get into discussion about this incredible book, I want a quick brief synopsis. Um, this will be spoiler free for our fans who have not read the book and still want to. So this, I mean, this is going to be two to three minute synopsis. Who wants to take it? I've got it. Oh, Dan's I don't even know if I could do two minutes. Um, bullet train in its simplest form and foundation is there is a bullet train traveling through Japan and on this train through different backstories and circumstances, five different assassins, um, traveling with different motives and all of their stories and motives kind of clash together into this very theatrical, almost stage play of just chaos 
and yes. without giving anything else away it's right it's five assassins all with different motives all trying to achieve their own individual goals but they accidentally mess everything up for everyone else They're it's high it's high octane it's high comedy and it's got a lot of like sweet sentimental moments and it, it's it's so much fun it is a fun read for it to be a like action thriller it is it is just filled with a lot of different um like themes and vibes within it it's not yeah, like sure. if you're thinking like it's just like a an action book i i highly suggest you do not let that stop you oh, from reading yeah. it because it has so much to offer There's for so much everybody depth. in certain parts it blows you away yes great okay synopsis good and let's get into thoughts. I want to hear y'all's thoughts on it. We haven't really talked about Bullet Train yet. I've been dying to talk about it. Bullet Train. Bullet Train. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Because I think you two both liked it more than I did. And so <gasps> I just want to start gasp. on mine and then end on you guys. Audible gasp. <gasps> so. No. My expectations of the book, I think, ruined it a little bit for me. Oh, no. Not ru- not ruined. Uh, not ruined. I, I still really uh, like. it. I didn't know that Downer Dan was on the podcast not Downer today. Dan. I just kind of want to explain my thoughts. I'm, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. I did like it a lot. It is very fun. Uh, there are some things that did bother me throughout. But overall, I love Nanao as a character. Mm. Okay. Um, I think he was my favorite part of the whole thing. Everything with him was very funny. And I think the actual comic relief in the book was super annoying to me. (laughs) (gasps) No way. Dan, no way. You're kidding. I know you love it. I didn't. I had no interest in Tangerine or Lemon the entire series. The only thing thing that consistently made me laugh about um lemon was all of his chapters were just called fruit i thought that was every time i got to that i thought it was very funny like all the chapters with him were just called fruit um but other dan has entered the chat and has made some hot statements it's not even that hot of a statement i don't hot takes i have one more hot take i think the prince for me was a poorly written character what i dude dude i okay i'm about to like go off mic <laughs> so that we can tussle because i am i, I am oh, heated he already let, he left so, his computer he's walking over to dan's house so i think the prince was a poorly written character not in the sense of he is definitely a character you're supposed to hate right and i did hate him which good yeah that's that's good he yes did that yes. part correctly so good writing great good we all agree so many times throughout the book characters would be like wow you're very young you're very small you shouldn't have this much power right and that's kind of his whole thing yes it gets presented multiple times but throughout the entire book no one does anything about it and he continually has all this power where nobody thinks he should but he just does and his ending was not satisfying enough for me. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm passing. I'm forcefully removing the baton from Dan's hands and giving it to Brett's hands, so I can hear Brett's thoughts. Dan, I love you. This is obviously these are jokes, but Dan, we have some words later. Okay, Brett, you get the baton. So are we into the spoiler section of the episode. Oh, for Safe sure. We're okay. into we're on to full on discussion mode. So. My thought on the prince is he is a just he's a good counter, especially mainly in like one specific area to Nanal and the, yes, the the mention of luck, yes, and how there's so many times when Nanal is like so screwed because of his luck and he barely makes it out, and you're just like it, he keeps he keeps doing this like over and over again, but on the other side. The only reason, like, the prince is so, like, I thought he was done with both Lemon and Tangerine. Like, I thought those were some of my favorite scenes as when, like, Lemon oh, confronted sure. oh, him. Oh, for sure. And was, like, it, because it shows how under how the prince underestimates, like, all of these people because he doesn't respect their sense of, like, street smarts, I guess, yeah, is the best absolutely. way to think about it. 
and how he constantly underestimates people, even though he's supposed to be this like super smart serial killer. And he barely makes it out because something lucky helps him. And so he kind of like coasts along on that. Well, on the other end of now is just like, even though Nanao like continually says he has bad luck, but in that he kind of like by the end of it, you're like, oh, you kind of have like decent yeah. luck as far as like getting out. Like he escaped the situation at the end with the snake. Like he didn't get bit and it kind of like extricated him out of the situation. There's like, obviously he does have bad luck with other stuff, but it's just, it's just a funny comparison between the two of them yes. and their relationship to luck. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, can I, can I, okay. I'm in, I'm entering healthy discourse mode and I promise I won't be a punk and okay. just say that your opinions are bad. Okay. Um, even though they're bad. Okay. That was my last time. Okay. So Nanao and the prince are beautiful foils of each other, right? Okay. So Nanao is this um, killer, this trained professional who values life and who sees the beauty in life. And he also has horrible luck. He has horrible cosmic luck. And he's trying to just do the best he can, even from the start of his life, right? He's trying to do the best he can by people and by himself. And he just ends up in situations that he uh, doesn't want to be in. And he's unlucky. But he has a deep regard and respect for life. On the other hand, the prince is a is a seemingly like his outside rapper is the seemingly innocent boy a 13 year old child who has a complete morbid disregard for life and his luck is amazing and it's it's this interesting dichotomy of like the the prince has what you would consider like good like uh uh well, I, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting lost in my own thoughts. But the the prince, because of his luck and because things always fall his way, it it adds to his inflated ego and his sense of hubris. And what what Brett was touching on, where he he thinks himself a god. He thinks himself above just like the rules that are that everyone else should have to right. abide by. Right. And that allows him to be this absolutely diabolical villain. To me, I he's one of the best antagonists that I've read in a really long time because I am rarely introduced to a villain who I feel so much disgust for that I am so captivated by by his the, the way he thought by the way he like was able to twist situations and um like and the way he talks about human life is always it's yes, just terrifying it, it's it's like the i mean i mean he felt like a like a, a joker character to me where he like this this person who is so antithetical to good like to what it means to be good so many times for me people were calling out the prince's weaknesses and then not like acting on but, them but that that, and was that the really genius. frustrated me but, so so i i think that that is what you're supposed to feel right because as the reader mm. we can see inside his mind and it's a lot of the pov is from the prince so we know how completely despicable he is but as the even these trained killers these professionals they were looking through the lens of this is a 13 year old preschool boy so they were underestimating him time and time and time again every single person thought of him as not a physical threat and because of that they let their guard down which let the prince take over with his manipulative ways and and make the situation work for him and i think you're supposed to feel that anguish as a reader of like Man, I like I don't want him to succeed at, at every turn where the print where something goes right for the prince. I felt this like disgust because I was like, no, like he can't he can't he keep getting away with it. I think there was a difference the prince getting away with it because they underestimated him and the prince getting away with it because no one acted on it. And which is where my frustration comes but from. But I, I think I think the two are the same. I, but my, like, my argument would now be at the two. end, realized who the prince was, and then like he got away with it. All of the prince's like friends knew who the prince was, and even when they were convinced, like, hey, now I'll never realized the, who the prince was. Not not until like after he had already gotten off the the bus or the yeah the bullet train at the very end when like the snake comes out and the I mean more so the questions of like now is 
discovering like hey why is this kid so calm why is like he yeah but he also he was also sick like he thought of him as like this is just a kid in a bad situation like he he didn't he he knew that something was off a lot of people had an inclination that there was something different or strange about they him. didn't want to kill like a kid or like threaten a kid like that right that was exactly their, like, boundary the only people who truly saw through him weirdly was lemon uh, Kimura's parents and then Kimura, but Kimura and his parents were bound by the obligation of trying to make sure that the, uh, that Kimura's son was alive. So the prince had power in that situation. That the person that kind of signaled his end was somebody who is the complete opposite of him in Mr. Suzuki, who did it without violence, without... Yes. Without any kind of negativity, he just spoke his mind and positivity. It led to the demise of the prince. I thought that yes. was so can, cool. Can we can we talk about Mister? That's a great segue. So yes. I think we've I think we've covered the prince for a good bit of time, and I don't <laughs> I don't want to like beat beat a dead horse here. Um, but I do want to jump into Mister Suzuki, who's maybe one of the more interesting and mysterious characters, as the exam prep teacher who has interactions with almost every character and is seemingly just a bystander on the bullet train on the Shikinzen, and he is just doing his thing giving wisdom at every turn what is y'all's thoughts is he is he actually that innocent or was he a professional the entire time did he orchestrate the whole thing and i will say this this question i am pulling straight from uh, Hannah's notes she sent us in questions about and, and honestly I'm glad she did because I had not even really thought about it in that light of like was Mr. Suzuki actually like one of the hornets was he one of you know Minigishi's men was was he a professional was he in on this hit or was he just a an innocent bystander in all of this I kind of had the thought by the end that even if he was not innocent like if he was someone that killed someone on the train he, had, he mentioned, like, the people who killed his wife are now dead. So maybe mm-hmm. if he was there, he was... Had already... He, it was like an avenging angel kind of situation. And not necessarily that he's, like, still in the business. Or maybe he used to be in the business and then his wife died. And now, like... So that's why he seemed to not to be, like, flustered by any of this situation. Because maybe he knew all of who they were. But because... Like he had like turned a corner and when his after his wife died he had chosen a different path that he just accepted positivity instead of like falling into their their pit of like violence and like cycle of violence and stuff like that. So I thought maybe he had had his foot in the business as they call it before, but the interaction at the very end of the book when they're in the supermarket kind of makes me think that he was just like a, a guy or like, again, like if anything, he maybe was used yeah, to be in it, but yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't know if he was like a part of the end killing or not. He could have been, and I could be told, I could be convinced differently. But. I really want to do research on this to see if someone has like pieced together from context clues that I maybe missed on my first read, if he was a professional. Uh, but I would agree that, I'm not sure. So I'll say I'm not sure. But what I think um, he did for the story that I thought was beautiful was he he was the human element in the sense that he was like. That's why I think he's just a bystander. Right. His his um, discourse with the prince where the prince was basically like outsmarting everyone and and kept asking the question, like, why is it wrong to kill? And, um, you know, had this very, like, morbid, you know, view of life. I really loved just that interaction, that actionless interaction, but it was still incredibly tense, where they were just having the conversation about, like, like morality, essentially, and also, like, why life is precious. And I, I just, honestly, I ate that scene up. That was, like, Mr. Suzuki is one of my favorite characters in the novel because of yeah. his, that entire dialogue between him and the prince. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Before we get too much further, did y'all have any other favorite characters? Any other... I, I, I also, I loved Nanao. I think Ladybug is fantastic. Yeah. As you said earlier, he's got... He's the most grounded, like, humanized assassin. Like, he's still like believes he's not, he's not like a he doesn't feel 
like an evil killer. Like he feels like he hates what he does and he's just doing it to do a job and he doesn't want anybody to get hurt and he just wants to be done with it. Like he's just tired of it, even though he's clearly insanely good at it. Yeah. (laughs) Most of his kills are either in self-defense or defending somebody else throughout the book. So I would say Nanao is probably one of my other favorites. Um, And just his like his whole deal and thing with Maria and all that kind of stuff. It's just he's he's such a good like comedic base for the movie because you just you do feel bad for the guy at certain parts, especially seeing him through other people's perspectives. Well, in the same way that the prince, you like, it, it, he's a, an, again another foil where we were talking about how like every time the prince got away with something, you were like, no, this can't keep happening. Right. So much of the book, I was just like desperately wanting something to go right for Nanao. I was like, this, this poor guy, like he, like even exactly like his kills, like he didn't mean to, he didn't want it to happen. He right. didn't even know, like, you know, he, most of it was self-defense. You just wanted him to get off the train and to be safe and just like some luck to go his way. And the entire time it was, it was all bad luck, but I loved that his morality stayed intact in all of it. Yeah. Nanao opening the suitcase at the end and hey, Getting lucky with a suitcase combination was one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. when he's faking when he accidentally to the opened one. Yeah, yeah. my th- this is my favorite scene in the book, and so it's to highlight one of my favorite characters. But I love the Hornet reveal. That's probably that yeah. was probably my favorite scene in the book because yeah. I'm such a huge fan of like the like knives out style hiding in right. plain sight. Right. And so when that got revealed, because they mentioned the trolley cart 30 times before that reveal and never once was was like, oh, that's probably Hornet. And so when it came up, I got super excited. I bet a read through would be so fun to see all the places where. Oh, for sure. Because you know they mentioned her right before the the son was killed. So like, you know, at some point they're like, oh yeah, and then the trolley came by and we ignored it or something like that. And it's just like, oh man, it'd be so great to go back and find those spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I also, I feel like we'd be remiss not to mention Kimura. I feel like uh, Kimura was honestly a lot of the heart of the book. Yeah, he's a very interesting character. And well, and he seemed like the most, maybe like morally complex character. Yeah. Uh, because you, like his situation came from a lot of instances where he wasn't necessarily a great guy or even the best dad. But the entire time his motivation was out of the love for his son. Right. I don't know that I have much more to say to that outside of just like, I, I really, really, really loved his drive and him wanting to protect his son. And that like weird uh, dichotomy of like him caring for his son and then his, his greatest enemy also being this young kid as the prince and right. how he was trying to like grapple with that where he couldn't even like initially kill the prince because of it. Um, and then he was essentially tortured, but he was willing to go through all of that to keep his son alive. Um, and then just the his parents also were so, so great. Yeah, that the was end such a with scene. The Kimura parents also being in the line of work was fan fantastic and one of my favorite things was the um like how all of the other assassins came in like the legend assassins that they kept mentioning like oh this was the you know they're they're like a myth they're made up the one who yeah exactly like Like kids parents right exactly (laughs) they all they all come into play by the end it's such a cool twist up and yeah the kimura was definitely he was the most complex because yeah he has a really complex relationship with his own father that he's trying to struggle with and with along with that he's trying to you know be the the best dad he can be to his own son and so and he's also dealing with a drinking problem he he almost seems like the most relatable in the sense that he feels like he's the most human like all, all of these other guys are just like mindless killers not mindless, right he's very like, multifaceted right yeah he's you see the humanity in him. You see, like, addiction. You see, like, a lot of issues. But you also see glimpses of love and joy and caring. And he had gotten out. That's the other thing that right. I think was so beautiful. Like, his story was, he was a story of redemption. For, yeah. And he had tried to clean up his life. Like, before he 
got back to do this job in the same way it kind of reflected his like alcoholism right like he had he had given it up he had quit the the killing cold turkey and become a security guard and he was living right and then the prince messed up his life and so he got back in to do this final revenge hit and it led to all of this, you know, this new debacle. So I, I don't know. I just think he was he was such a complex character. Also, also, Justice for Lemon and Tangerine. Those chapters were fantastic. Those characters are amazing. <laughs> Dan is wrong. I Lemon like Tangerine had me laughing every single scene. I, I legitimately laughed at all of Lemon's, like, the Thomas and Friends stuff. Yeah, the Thomas and Friends tie-in. Yes. And I think something that was great was I feel like each of them served the purpose of... Um, like they all had different motivations or almost like were different stylized types of villains or assassins. And I think Lemon and Tangerine were just obviously great, uh, like kind of two sides to the same coin. Right. Where they were both like hyper dangerous, violent assassins. But, in completely but one operated, ways. right. One operated off of this like childlike sense of the understanding of the world and also, like, they did give him a pretty tragic backstory that made yeah. you understand where his, um, like, thought process came from. Right. But he was completely, like, you know, this this weird, wacky, uh, didn't take anything seriously killer. And then you had Tangerine, on the other hand, who was, like, type A, like, the, the classic, like, clean job hitman who right. likes everything to be in order. He, he was extremely logical, was able to break down scenes. They're the buddy cop pairing yes they are and i ate it up i think my thoughts on the thomas and friends thing was at first i was like you couldn't tell at the beginning i was like is this just like a initial like intro quippy thing and then like they brought it up almost every time like he like you mentioned he brings it up a lot in like most conversations he relates it to the world like that's how he views the world and as it goes i think the best payoff for me was as it goes he starts relating other characters in the book to characters within the show and breaks it down yeah through his own you know interesting perspective through this kids tv show but just the payoff at the end with like him calling him a diesel and it, he it turns so menacing because he realized that he in his own way has a kind of good decent view of the world like he can place it's not obviously there's gray areas but he can good judge of character yeah, let's he say. Can judge he's characters. not a good person <laughs> no i yeah. no i didn't mean if I, I didn't mean to say good person if i said that um i just meant like he's he's he can judge character well like the him calling him like a diesel like he can see through like people think he's an idiot but he can actually like he's pretty perceptive he's all instinct that's what they kept saying he's right, all exactly. he's all instinct i just thought that was a cool payoff at the end and then he he stuck the sticker on him so tangerine knew yeah. exactly who he was like that like their own little and within their own little world he's like a perfect machine like he's, their relationship he's built to be in this world Yes, and their relationship gave me very much, um, like, of Mice and Men, like, Lenny and George. Yeah. Uh, Like, how there was definitely a sense where Tangerine loved Lemon and wanted to protect him because he was this childlike assassin. And they had this, like, weird trust, even as, like, two assassins. Like, there was multiple times where people questioned, like, can you trust your partner? Yeah. And they both were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Like, they wouldn't wouldn't abandon me. They wouldn't leave the mission. They wouldn't, like, they they had each other's backs. And obviously it had a tragic ending, but I I just really liked uh, that that duo. Yeah, that was so fun. I was actually so sad when... Tangerine gets killed because like he was right. I was the the reveal of him knowing like that the and the prince being like, oh god, yeah. I'm done. Same. I was yeah. just like, tragic. Oh, this is. That this was is so maybe sad. the most gut wrenching instance of like the prince cannot get out of this. Like, please let him die. And then I was like, they finally got him. Again. They finally got him. I do really love this question, so I want to bring it up. So Zach pointed out a fantastic question. I want to get y'all's take on it because I have a thought. But there was an exploding gun that was mentioned, a gun that was rigged that was not actually like going to be used as a gun. But if you pulled the trigger, it would explode in the yeah. hand of the person who used it. And it never actually – the trigger was so, never pulled. I think – my thought on it is it, it, it's, it's a playoff Chekhov's gun. Yes, obviously. yes, Brett. But it, yeah, it's <laughs> yes. just like a humorous like decoy of being like – you obviously Chekhov's gun. You show somebody – you show a gun early on and you're like, okay – this weird random thing is going to be used. It's going to be brought up later. Like, 
it's obviously going to become like a foil at the end of the story. But it turns out it's like, no, it's just a like it's just like a, a fake decoy. Like it's, Brett, I love you. It was like one more thing for the prince to overcome and build tension with him is what, what I saw it as. But then, yeah, like Brett said, it like turned into nothing. Well, I, I think it I so from a from a literary standpoint, I honestly and this is this the is all um, the, yeah, th- this is all speculation. But I do think that it was the author writing in a fake Chekhov's gun, like the idea that if you show a gun, it must be used in the story mm. because it's so on the nose. Right. Yeah. It's literally a gun it's that was shown in the very story. beginning. And it was about like an exploding gun. So the entire time in your mind, you're thinking this is going to be at a critical moment. Like I kept waiting for like one of them to grab the wrong gun or like the prince like to be. Yeah, his like last bit of thing is him like laughing and pull the trigger and then it actually be the fake gun. So I was waiting on it. But I literally think it was just a humor, like humor written in by the author to say like this is Chekhov's gun. But I'm I'm subverting that idea. This is not going to actually be used in any sort of way. Yeah, I think. I think it was very clever and very fun. That would be my guess. Great question though, Zach. Cause that I yeah. honestly, that was my, my only thought behind it. Yeah. It's so good. All right. So by the end of the book, a lot of people have died, including <laughs> RIP. Um, Mr. Minigishi at the very end. Um, he, he gets horned, horneted, um, which is still like kind of the big mystery at the end of the, the book of the like, who, who still did it. Yep. But so a lot of people have died. Um, were you guys surprised by who made it out alive, who didn't? Also, we honestly don't know the full. We get a we get a a, a fortune telling of what might happen to the prince, but we don't get an actual ending for the prince. We just assume that he was captured and like cut up by yeah, slowly killed Kimura's. by grandparents. Yeah. yeah. So and you Dan, were, was that? So question, was that what you was unsatisfying for you? Did you want to have a written death for the prince because he was such a diabolical character? Not not a written death necessarily. Like I don't really want to hear in detail about a 14-year-old getting tortured <laughs> and killed. Right, Dan, you're right, right, sick right. and twisted. Is that what you wanted? But you just wanted like confirmation. Maybe just confirmation, yeah. I think confirmation's a good word for it. Cause even in the prince dying. Like, it's just one more thing that we don't know, and it's just frustrating mm. to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, just Which not I as satisfying know. as I wanted it to be. I don't think it was meant to be a, um like, Inception top-spinning thing, because the way they wrote it, like, now did check to see if he could find anything. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't find anything, well, like, at all about him. They Well, they did mention there's a body of a 14-year-old found yes. dumped or whatever. But, yeah, they yeah. didn't find any specific... And okay. also, like, but the way that the Kimura parents were like, hey, you tortured our son and almost yeah. killed our grandson. And also how uh, Grandpa Kimura was like, you have the worst aura of any yeah. person I've ever dealt with in the in- my entire career of being a hitman. Like, I'm going to make sure to snuff out this evil. Right. I, I think that that was, it's a, I-, I think it was yeah. wrapped up. It's a classic, like you see the evil, the bad guy get trapped in the room at the very end. Like right. in the mummy movies where Benny or whatever gets trapped into the, in the darkness with all the bugs. I guess you do kind of hear him die. But you know <laughs> what I mean? Like he get the, the yeah. bad guy gets trapped in a room with some sort of beast or something like that. And you're just like, yeah, that guy's going to die a horrible death. Right. Uh, but yeah, yes. I, I was also very emotional and happy that, Kimura survived as I said yeah, I felt like was, he was a lot yeah. of the heart yeah and I really liked the um the surprise the twist of him being shot pretty much halfway through the novel because he was one of the POVs right. so in my mind I was thinking like if like the survivors or the people who are going to make it the furthest were probably going to be the people who obviously like the, the like book the is main. written from their perspective and then they just shifted the Kimura being you know uh son to parents and the, I just really loved because they had that like a couple lines about parents and their deep love for their kids and mm-hmm. then being able to do like impossible feats for yep. their kids. And like there was a couple lines about like immortality or like fighting through death to survive for for others. Yeah. And I just really, really, really loved that um, he he made it and he. Well, that- basically defied all odds to be reunited with his son. The scene where they talk about, they talk through his like dying moments is really intense because it's like, 
he's like gasping for air like he sees darkness like it yeah. kind of goes through it's like, like a fade first, to black yeah it's like the first minute of him dying and you're like that's a really intense send-off and the part where the prince is like laughing because he knows that he was trying to say like please have mercy but he couldn't you're just like right. god i hate the prince right like so the much. prince was reveling in the fact that he was begging him to spare his son because he knew like he was whispering in his ear like i'm gonna kill your son still and this is how much power i have over you like that's some dark stuff and i i love i love because at first when i was reading i was like oh no this is a tragedy like this right. is a story of a, a father who would do everything to save his son and then wasn't able to see his son saved but i love that it was that that was uh a, a you know i wish kimura got end. to kill the prince <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, okay yeah, i mean i can see that i, I, I can that. i can understand where like coming he from. is put to death knowing that he has lost basically for the the whole book right yeah um, and so i think I just but, I, but i also think there is something beautiful to say that he didn't have to like fall back to that lifestyle like right. ultimately even though that was his intention right like he got on the the train to like enact vengeance but ultimately he didn't have to be a killer he didn't have to be what his his parents and his son didn't right. want him to be you know and i think that again parallel parallels well with the alcoholism story i think one of the funniest parts for me and it this may not even been the tone like i know the prince had no respect for kimura but there's a scene where the prince is torturing him and kimura kind of just has enough with it because you kind of forget throughout the book that he is a trained assassin like he is yeah. a he is a badass in all intense purposes. Like they do in flashbacks, they show him just like throwing off being like punched by like 10 kids. Like he's totally fine because he used to be in this business. But the scene where the prince is torturing him and Kumar just kind of has enough with it and like elbows him and then like knees him in the face. And they kind of have a moment where they reset and Kumar is like, he's going to kill me. And the prince is just like, okay, uh, all right. And they kind of have like a little reset where he's like, I get it. I'll stop. Uh, I was yeah. going a little bit too far. But it's just there's like that kind of go between where like at the end of the day he does know and he even mentions it a few times he knows that Kimura is like a could kill him. Well, and that that was the the entire thing, and I loved that. God, we keep going on about it, but the the prince yeah, being sorry. so ruthless um, with like how he had it was it, there was a backup plan, a contingency where he knew that even if Kimura killed him, Kimura wouldn't get what he wanted because right. his son would die. So there was this like this test of wills to see if Kimura was truly good enough in his heart to let himself go through all of this and to basically like not allow himself to take satisfaction in right. revenge, right? Because it would have been the easy route would have been for him to kill the prince and then try to save his son, like rush to the hospital or whatever. Right. But he took the hard route, which was to like not risk his son's life right. at all, even if it meant, ultimate demise for, for himself yeah 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 cool i think okay that's god i man what a book i i i really just uh, i could talk about it forever um any 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 more thoughts um i think we did want to mention the uh, adaptation the yes adaptation. let's get into let's definitely talk let's definitely talk adaptation so i watched the trailer after i finished the book i've never i've not seen the trailer um, until, oh, okay. Until okay. I finished the book. Um, the, the, they're going off the rails with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. They are. Yes. 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 Um, in several different ways. Yes. <laughs> the main one. Uh, so first of all, I think the trailer, The so that's what I first saw before I knew this was a book. And I thought it looked so fun. Like yes. it looks Agreed. like it's going it to be does. such a fun, cool, funny movie, but there it does need to be addressed that there are some issues. The majority of the main cast. cast has been whitewashed, or yeah. it's non, it's non-Japanese, which obviously this is based in Japan. All Japanese characters, I guess Maria. I don't, I don't know if Maria's supposed to be. It's Japanese. Well, I, I mean, I would think so. I, I don't know for sure, but. Okay. Yeah, so all Japanese characters. The majority of the cast is not Japanese. I think some of the supporting characters... I think Kimura might be Japanese. You know, Tangerine and Lemon. Uh, Nanao, who he's just called Ladybug. It's Brad Pitt. Um, and then the Prince. And I guess those are the four main ones that aren't 
Japanese. I'm trying to. Oh, and the sun and yeah, Minigishi are both, yeah, Minigishi. Are both not. <laughs> yeah, yeah are both it's, not it's Japanese. So yeah, but yeah, so it's it you know it's it's a push and pull. It does look really fun, but there are obviously they could have made this movie with an all Japanese cast and yes, been totally 100%. fine. Like there's so many actors out there, it could have been done. Kind of sad that they didn't do that. Not kind of. It is sad that they can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and in my opinion, there's no reason why this wasn't an all Japanese cast. So I'm I'm really like grappling with my excitement for the movie right, because I it's think tough. well we had Brett we had an initial like the same thing where I saw the trailer and I was like wow this looks like so much fun it's right. like the Deadpool writers I knew it was gonna be like this high octane like mostly comedy action right. thriller. And then I read the book and I'm like, man, this book is is really great. And yeah. I'm sad uh, that they didn't give it what it deserves, which in my opinion would just be a one-to-one adaptation. So the way I'm approaching it is I feel like it's like a loose adaptation or maybe like even a just like an idea in, into a movie. Yes, like an yeah. interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they've they've yep. used the 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 bones of the story to create their own story which is i mean you can even see that with because it looks to be mostly centered around the now which i would say he's a main character but he's not like the main character i think oh yeah yeah right right they definitely split time a lot more than it seems like they will in the movie yeah and and of course like we haven't seen the movie so you know it might be garbage completely um or it might be a really fun phenomenal movie and might get the tone of the book and a lot of the messages right yeah um but i do i do have mixed feelings because i i would have loved to see it as an all japanese cast and honestly or just like i i feel like i I don't know if y'all have the same thoughts but i felt like this could have been translated into like other mediums as well like i feel like it would have made like a good show like an anime or just like a a live action tv show and i I don't know like i I, i'm really excited i'm really excited but there's definitely some nuance in the book that i don't know if they're gonna have enough time to cover yeah i think a lot of the princes i think the prince will probably just be more of like an overarching like menacing thing because they go so deep into psychology and science in this book it's mind-blowing i did not expect that I would need like a psychology degree to uh, to to understand a lot of the stuff they're talking about. It's so deep and it it's it's amazing. But you really you're like oh crap! Like I have to say I reread a few sections because I'm like this is so deep. Like this is yeah. wild. You're you're not gonna get some of that like uh, the motivation without a lot of upfront exposition. Yeah. Like if they if they make if they turn it into like exposition or dialogue with the prince about like why they are the way they are and right. how they think hmm. it it feels like it'll probably be a lot more one-dimensional right um, and again this is this is all speculative i right, I, you exactly. know, I don't even want to think about it too much i just want to say i am i am excited with a grain with but with a big take that with a grain of salt because i i have mixed feelings i think it'll be one of those things where um i hope the movie does really well and i hope people like it mm-hmm. but i hope that it really inspires people to come back to the original work because 100%. I don't think it will do the book justice in the way that the book deserves. Right. Agreed. 100%. Fair enough. Any uh, closing thoughts between you two? I think, I think that's, I think that's it. Um, incredible. I think, that's, I think we're, we're about good? to arrive at our destination vis-a-vis end of the podcast (laughs) all we have to do now is get off the train with the briefcase in hand i think that's my closing thought is we didn't do enough train puns i know dan did one and parker just did one but i didn't do one and i'm mad at myself you missed it yeah can you hey brett can you edit those in and post (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. i'll just add every time brett talks it's just uh just a like a train whistle instead yeah okay okay round robin do like one train pun with no context that we can just have Brett edit in. Okay, I'll, I'll start us off. Ready? All aboard. Is that a pun? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, yeah, Dan, just, like, hear me out. It'll be like, it, like it'll be like, okay, we're going to the next segment. All aboard. And it's gonna be. It's everyone's gonna love it. They're gonna eat it up. All right, Brett, you go. L- look at the caboose on that train. <laughs> that's, <a laughs> that's okay. That's that's perfect. Yeah, we're. I'm sure. I'm sure that would fit in seamlessly with discussion. Yeah. That's it. Okay, Dan. Dan, hit us with one. 
Dan, you're given eyes. You're given shifty eyes. Like you don't, you don't Dan, have faith Dan, in I this think bit. Your mic's off. Yeah, Dan, did you mute your mic? This is so weird. Hey, this Dan. bit's really good and funny, and I think you should participate. Just use the off the rails one you used earlier. That movie's off the rails. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. There Wonderful. Go. We got it. Yeah, a couple of quick shout outs. Uh, thank you, Zach, again, for emailing us. You can email us at bookendswithfriends at gmail.com. We love getting email. It's very fun for us. And uh, we, we will reply to you and answer any of the questions that you may send our way. Uh, Absolutely. So thank you for Zach and Hannah. And also, we missed this um, from a few episodes ago, but uh, Danny also emailed us before our Where the Crawdads Sing episode and gave us some book recommendations and just gave us some love for the podcast. So thank you so much, Danny. Thank you for listening, Danny. Yes, please reach out. And also, I can't, like, I, I don't want to... Um like gloss over that Hannah and Zach um, and all of our listeners, but really Hannah and Zach who, like sending in thoughts and, and um, quote of the weeks like that. It, it makes this so much fun and we really appreciate your feedback. Uh, and uh, so just keep it coming um, and, and uh, keep sending in those quotes and we will keep living by them. Uh, we, we honestly just, it, it may, it makes my day every single time we get an email in from a listener. Um, also, did want to do a shout out, um, since I'm sure he's listening, to uh, Kotaro Isaka, the author of Bullet Train. It's originally called in Japan uh, Maria Beetle. But also, this is Bullet Train is the second book in his Killer series. Um, I, I think it's called his, that's the name of the series, but he, it's, a, it's a part of a series. The first one being um, Remote Control, uh, the Japanese title is Golden Slumber. And then the third book is called Three Assassins, and the Japanese title is Grasshopper. So I'm not sure. I think I read something that there is some crossover with a few of the characters. So maybe there's oh, a so mention cool. of the prince and his end somewhere in the third book. But shout out to him. Go check those out. They sound super good. I myself will probably go check them out. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and as always, thank you uh, to Jacob Robinson for the intro and outro of our show uh we love it it's it's a bop we it's just the best it's just the best theme music you're amazing um and thank you to maddie moon for the lovely cover art uh for our show thank you both yeah y'all are fantastic the real the real killers were the were the friends you made along the way <laughs> the dun, friends dun, you dun. the real killers were the friends you made along the way